close what exactly I'm, uh, what exactly my categories are, or other things like that. But I, um, I do have a list of titles, and I'm just so excited to see what sorts of things are coming <laughs> down the hatch. Um, one of the things that I have discovered is an author who I did not know before. He writes um, for younger children. I would say it's probably more appropriate for an older elementary school, um, a fifth grader, kind of along that age range. Um, his name is Michael Buckley. And um, if you are familiar with that name, it's because he writes a series called The Sisters Grimm. If you've heard of that, it's ages one through, um, or it's got uh, nine in the series right now. And it starts out with a book called The Fairy Tale Detectives. Um, one of our classic, um, uh, one of our children's librarians says, you know, kind of if you put Harry Potter fans and Shrek lovers in the same category, they would really enjoy this because it has uh, mess mystery and it also has um, the adult humor kind of of Shrek and okay. things like that. Okay, so now you have a little bit of a context of who Michael Buckley is. He also has an Ohio tie-in. He's from Akron. Okay. That's a little bit of fun. He also uh, did some late night writing for like, I think, Letterman shows. He did some New York um, com com comedy writing. Um, but this book is um, an Audible exclusive, so that's why I'm giving the context for some of the other books, because you're not going to be able to get this one that I'm talking about right now from the library. Um, it's called The Weirdies, and I loved it so much. It's read by Kate Winslet, and it is basically, I'm going to liken it, that if The Addams Family, uh, Lemony Snicket, uh, The Series of Unfortunate Events, and Matilda, if those three books had a baby, it would be this, <laughs> it would be this book. Because what you have is you have um, these these parents who one the dad is a millionaire and he's very eccentric and he's lonely and he has this house with 350 rooms in it and he decides that he needs to fill the house to fill the hole in his heart <laughs> and so he invites a circus to come and live in the house and he just keeps inviting more and more and more people to come and live in it he falls in love with um, a failed snake charmer and they have three children and the three children um, are let's say a bit eccentric and um, the, the, the parents aren't really good parents either. They kind of forget that they have children. <laughs> and so um, they decide that they're going to go on a cruise. And because they're eccentric, they pack up their entire household and their entire 350 um, people living in it. And uh, they go on the cruise. But who do they forget? The, the children. The yes, of course. <laughs> well, as you left out home alone in the uh, genealogy. Oh, yeah, yeah of exactly. Thing, yeah, right. so, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, as luck would have it, uh, the cruise uh, ship sinks. They all get eaten by sharks. And so the kids are orphaned. <laughs> and, uh, what and this is all the first chapter. <laughs> oh, of course, of course, of course. And so the children um, are taken in by a local orphanage. And of course, there's a wonderful young woman there who I liken to a Miss Honeyset of um, Matilda, who uh, takes in the children because she believes that she can really help them. But they're very strange and very difficult, much like the Adams Family children. Um, and it just terrible things kind of keep happening. The fun part about it is, though, uh, the portion that is narrated by uh, Kate Winslet is um, very much like the Lemony Snicket. It breaks the wall with the with the reader. It's, you know, children, if you don't understand what's happening right now, you will later. You know, little, little kind of <laughs> add-ins along those lines. It's really fun. It's like less than two hours if you do have an Audible account and you do want to listen to it. Um, again, it's called The Weirdies. But if, you, if that sounds like fun, I would recommend Michael Buckley's other books as well. Um, start with the Sisters Grimm series. Great. Thanks, Nicole. So, Connie, we talked before the show. You uh, 
uh, are interested in telling us what you're reading at the moment or what's influencing you at the moment. Yeah, right now, actually, I am rereading, or I should say re-listening to, because I love Audible myself, uh, The Distant Hours by Kate Morton, which is just gorgeously written. Uh, lovely story where the past is kind of layered into the present, which is just what I love. And I really like all that she writes, but this one especially, it's about a, a mysterious castle and three elderly sisters and her mother's uh, secret past and it's it's great loved it i love stuff like that just whether it's uh, in a cozy or a noir the family secrets as they slowly Mm -hmm. come out and everybody yells no you can't talk about that we don't never talk about that that's the uh, mm, love that (laughs) yes yes talk about it in a book with 500 pages so again what was the title and author it's called the distant hours by kate morton great thanks so uh, this week I'm going to talk about a book by our author who's going to be in next week, and that's Robin Yoakum. Uh, Robin's a former crime reporter for the Dispatch. He's written uh, two crime novels in the past, uh, two true crime novels in the past, plus five novels. Um, his uh, 2017 book, A Brilliant Death, was a finalist for an Edgar Award. And uh, if, if you know Edgar's, that's the, the, the award. It's like the Oscars for mystery writers. So uh, The Sacrifice of Lester Yates is a sequel of sorts to Yoakum's 2011 novel called Favorite Sons. But you don't have to have read Favorite Sons in order to enjoy this book. I, now I'm going to go back and read that, though, because I want to know more about this character. And that character is Hutchinson Van Buren, or just Hutch for short. He's the attorney general of the state of Ohio, and he's being considered for the same role uh, on the federal level because the ridiculously popular governor of Ohio, a guy named Big Jim Wilinski, is considered to be the front runner for the Republican nomination and for the presidency. Now, this book is set in 2007. Okay, so it's uh, we know he didn't get elected. I'll just uh, that's not a spoiler. I'll just let you know. Uh, anyway, both men are really tough law and order types. Uh, Van Buren has sent several people to the death house because he was previously the prosecutor in Summit County at, in Akron. Uh, speaking of Akron. I know. We got two Akron yeah, tie-ins right. today. Uh, and uh, Walensky has never in his history stayed or commuted an execution. It's just not his way of doing things at all. He's a, a tough law and order guy. Then all of a sudden, this ex-cop and uh, current prison guard shows up in Van Buren's office with evidence that indicates an innocent man is about to be executed. This is just not any random murderer. This is somebody who is known as the Egypt Valley Strangler and was supposedly responsible for 18 murders in uh, eastern Ohio over a long period of time. Uh, And so... This evidence convinces Van Buren, because this is not from some, you know, left-wing ACLU type. This is from a cop, an ex-cop, who's done a really solid investigation on this thing. And so uh, he goes to the—Van uh, Buren goes to the governor and says, if they execute an innocent man, it's going to put him in a bad position when he runs for president. Mm-hmm. So can he check oh, yeah. it out? So he says—Walensky says, you got to give me the person who did it, or else I'm not commuting the sentence. If, unless you can actually prove to me that somebody else did it. I'm not going to commute. So he's got like six weeks to track down who did it. And so it's sort of like high noon. Every chapter starts with how long it is until the scheduled execution. Tick, tock. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So uh, Van Buren's off and running. He's aided by this really colorful but but believable supporting cast and some truly despicable villains in this book. Uh, The dialogue's really good. The humor, and it feels real. You know, having worked in Columbus, done a little bit of, government affairs work when I worked for the Ohio Library Association. 
it, it sounds real. Yeah, it, uh, it, it, it just the the way the legislative process works, the way the administration works. Um, the, there's good, strong humor that leavens the seriousness of the story, uh, and the depiction of Appalachian, Ohio, where most of this story is set, is really heartbreaking. It's set right. The um, opioid crisis is just really kind of blossoming. Um, the the industries have shut down. There's a lot of despair. And, in fact, one whole chapter of this book takes place in Molly's hometown. Oh, no. Yeah, in, in Chesapeake, Ohio. <laughs> oh, no. So and I, when I told her that, she just rushed out to get the book. She had to read it, uh, although – Really, that's just it, one, it's, one it's chapter. It's not a pretty picture. It's not a pretty picture. So anyway, this is a solid mystery with a really satisfying conclusion, and it's set in a world that we can all recognize, being set, being set in Columbus and then in eastern Ohio. So anyway, I, I recommend it strongly. It's The Sacrifice of Lester Yates by Robin Yoakum. That's Y-O-C-U-M. Robin will be our guest next week on the show. So now we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to Connie Berry, who is uh, one of the three authors who's going to be with us with the Friends of the Library at the Ill-Mannered Brewery on Monday, October 25th. So stay tuned. And welcome back to Off the Shelf. We're here with Nicole Falls, and our guest is Connie Berry, author of The Art of Betrayal, uh, her latest book in the Kate Hamilton Mystery Series. Welcome, Connie. It's great to have you here. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Well, we are, uh, I have to tell you, I truly enjoyed The Art of Betrayal. It was a, a really good mystery. Thank I you. enjoyed it uh, thoroughly. I talked about it last week on, on the air, uh, re- what I call a review, but mostly it's a plug because <laughs> I, I just enjoyed it so much. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your your process and about uh, writing in general. I read on uh, you were on, on Goodreads uh, doing a question and answer with some people, and you talked about how you don't really believe in writer's block per se. How do, how does that work? Because I know I have sat there in front of my computer when I and I just writing you know memos and stuff like that, and thinking how am I going to phrase this? How am I going to make this interesting? How am I so talk about that because I I just think writer's block has got to be a real problem. Uh, yeah, I I don't actually believe in writer's block. Um, Blocking means you have you really cannot think of one thing to say. I can always think of things to say. There's not very good things, not well written things. So what I believe in is writer's inertia. Okay. And it just takes me a little bit of time to kind of push myself forward to get writing. And so what I typically do, because I love the process of revision, mm-hmm. I uh, writing from scratch is hard. Revision is just a joy for me. So what I typically do is I begin the day by going back and revising what I have written the day before. And that gets me back into the story, mm-hmm. reminds me of what I'm talking about, and gives me that little push to get off the inertia and go forward. So I know most... Uh, uh, I shouldn't say most writers, other writers I've talked to are just the opposite. They love the creation and hate going back and editing. Is, it, is there something in your background that you used to be an editor or you were? You know? I, well, I have done a lot of editing in my life, okay. actually. And I, I love that process because mm-hmm. what you're doing is you're taking kind of a shapeless blob and you are then shaping it and reforming it and revising it. And making it into something really good. I, I don't know why, but but you're right. They're, writers kind of fall into two camps. Mm-hmm. Some of them want to write from scratch, and then they never want to look at it again. They're forced to by their publishers. <laughs> but um, I am, on, on, on the other hand, I mean, I have said literally I would like to follow people home from the bookstore with my red pencil and <laughs> making a few f- final, you know, improvements. <laughs> Well, you know, you talked uh, again in a. Uh, I watched a Zoom meet, a Zoom presentation you did with another author, and you talked about how you build the tension. You talked about the plot clock, 
and the the kind of the four act setting of, of your your material. Yeah, talk, talk a little um, bit about there, that. Story structure is a very complicated subject, and um, there are a lot of different structures that people use. Uh, a story structure isn't a template. It's it's really a way of imagining or visualizing a story the way people want to hear it. Mm-hmm. Stories have been told for millennia around mm-hmm. campfires, right. and there are things that appeal to a reader. A, a little bit of tension, a little bit of mystery, a reversal, mm-hmm. a breakthrough. And it's the way you put those things down. And um, a, a four-act structure, one of the common structures is called the W structure, which just looks like a big W. And uh, things start to go wrong. You get down to the first point. Then the you you start to come up. There's a kind of a little reversal at the top of the W. Everything falls apart. Mm. And then the last little leg of the W is kind of the the denouement of it. But um, and and I have looked at that, and it makes sense to me. But I I, I found a resource, and I wish I had known you were going to ask me about it because because I would have um, credited the, the woman who came up with it. But it's called the plot clock, and it's just like a clock. And that, to me, just resonated. So okay. when, when I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about four quarters of a clock, like noon to three, three to six. And where you place things it appeals to people's natural sense of story. Okay. And so that's the one that makes sense to me, the one I use. But it's not set in stone. It's right. it's just a kind of a visual guideline for me. Okay, I, I love that. I, I love the understanding the process there. So let's talk more about your characters here. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about Kate Hamilton. She's a <laughs> widow living in the UK, she maybe is, for yeah. a while. Well, she can't she, quite make up her mind on Kate this. Kate is a is an American antique dealer. Uh, she. Initially, uh, she, she was married to a Scottish law professor who taught at Case Western. So she is from Ohio, from a town, fictional town called Jackson Falls, which is not unlike Chagrin Falls. <laughs> or Cuyahoga Falls. And, or, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she has a kind of a prickly sister-in-law, Scottish, who uh, has a country house hotel on a remote island in the Scottish Hebrides, and there has been a falling out between them. Her husband's greatest wish in life, he is now gone, uh, was for them to become friends. So she makes a pilgrimage back, and while she is there, um, people die, and uh, she also meets a British detective inspector named named Tom Mallory, who is there, uh, can't, can't figure out why he's there, but they meet up. They are both kind of outsiders. And during this, the, the process, uh, her husband's best childhood friend, who is um, a challenged man, man with some challenges, is accused of the murder. Kate knows he did not commit it. So she and Tom have to team up to find out who really is the bad person. Cool. That's now. That's the first. That's of the novel. that's the first one. So in the second one, Kate's daughter is a student at Maudlin College at Oxford. Um, I, I went to Oxford briefly when I was in college, St. Clair's College. So she has a between-term internship at a stately home called Finchley Hall in December. Invites her mom to come for two weeks. It just happens to be Tom Mallory's patch, so they um, get to know each other a little better. In the the art of betrayal, Kate is back in. 
this little village called Long Barston in Suffolk. She is tending her new friend Ivor Tweedy's antiquity shop while he recovers from surgery. She is delighted when a local recluse consigns an ancient Han Dynasty funereal jar. Ivor's bank account is on life support at the moment, and she's thrilled. This is going to mean a great commission. She is not so thrilled when this woman is murdered and the jar goes missing. And that's as far as you can read now, because that's the third book, The Art of Betrayal, that, the current book. That is the third book. That's right. So the fourth book is coming out in May of mm -hmm. next year, The Shadow of Memory. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to tell anything about it. <laughs> okay, don't that's... say a word. <laughs> <laughs> I, because, well, I guess you can because it's on presale. It's on Amazon now. So if you, if you what what yeah. would you like to tell us about it? I shouldn't make the rules. It's your book. <laughs> yeah. Um, in, in, the, in The Shadow of Memory, I'll, I'll just say that um, in 1963, five children at a holiday camp discover an abandoned house and explore it. Uh, it looks as if the family just walked away one day. There are dishes in the sink. There is eyeglasses, um, a wallet, driver's license on the nightstand, and blood in the living room. And um, they come up with their theories about what happened, collect evidence. Sixty years later, uh, they're elderly, mm -hmm. and they begin to die one by one, but right together in time. <laughs> and the fifth one is Kate's very good friend, Vivian Bunn. Ah. So um, layered on top of that is Kate and her friend Ivor Tweedy have been uh, asked to appraise a 15th century Netherlandish painting by Jan van Eyck to discover if it is real or not. Are these two things connected? Could they possibly be? Well, hmm. that's what that's <laughs> what you'll have to read it to find out. Great. Sounds, that sounds great. So anyway, this is uh, it's delightful to have this uh, uh, have you with us here. I just can I just ask why the UK? Why do you why do you set the stories in the UK? I mean, I, I guess. Jackson Falls might not be as yeah, interesting as... Yeah, well, what, um, mm -hmm. writers are typically told two things. Uh, one is to write what you know. Mm -hmm. And I grew up in the high-end antiques trade. My parents okay. were antique dealers. My dad was also an electronic engineer, but wow. he absolutely loved um, fine antiques. And so that's kind of the world that I grew up in. So that's what I know. But um, you also are told to write what you love. And what I love is the UK. And I fell in love with... Uh, the UK when I was in, went to school there at St. Clair's College in Oxford. I'm, I am a dyed-in-the-wool, unapologetic Anglophile. Mm. Uh, my husband and I travel there frequently. In fact, we're leaving this Friday for our very first trip since COVID to go back on, on a research trip. Oh, that's great. Perfect. That's uh, Yeah, I, I can understand why. I mean, there's something, too, about English mysteries, right? I mean, oh, yes. I, we were talking before Classics. the show about how many uh, – the, the, how much you love reading English mysteries. So I you went through I, I a, do. A several yes. authors. Do you feel like those people have influenced you? I mean, I, I felt some Agatha Christie in here. I felt <laughs> some, you know, some of the traditional English uh, writers and mystery writers in here. It, it, who, who has influenced you in this? Yeah, I, I really love the, the Golden Agers. Mm -hmm. um, Agatha Christie, Niall Marsh, yeah. uh, Cyril Hare, uh, Lorac. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of some of the others. Oh, well, Chesterton, of course, G.K. Chesterton. And mm -hmm. I have devoured all those books. I, I love the traditional English mystery. Mm -hmm. And so um, what I'm writing is what I love, what, right. what I would love to read. Mm -hmm. Good. Um, but I've, 
I hope I put my own twist on it. Oh, too. of course. Yeah. It, it, it's You're not those people. You're you. And that's why it makes it so interesting. So, And that's why it's great to have you here, to, to hear yeah, more about what, what the, the books are about. And for, I'm sure, the people who attend the Ill-Mannered Brewery on October 25th for the, the program, we'll, we'll get to talk to you more uh, about the specifics. So it'd be great to have you there. Thank you for being on the show, and we My really pleasure. appreciate this. we got a few things coming up at the library we really need to touch base on real quickly. I was talking to Mark about the, the great Loki search. Oh, yes. It begins today. Um, this is the kickoff to um, our Great Geek Fest, which is next uh, Saturday, October 9th. But uh, today begins Find Loki in downtown Delaware. Um, you can pick up a um, Find Loki sheet from any of our uh, library branches. You can also um, pick one up when you're at First Friday tonight in downtown Delaware. And what it is is there are nine... Loki variants hidden throughout the downtown Delaware. And if you find, um, I believe, seven of those Lokis and you bring them back, um, you'd say what store you found which one at, like the alligator Loki might be at a certain place or Wits might have a certain Loki, and you write it down on your sheet, bring it back to the library, um, you get a prize for turning it in, and then you get entered into a grand prize that is all of the Loki fun that you could possibly imagine. So um, that is happening right now. Also, today is the deadline for for turning in your um, cosplay costume picture. So this could be something, a picture that you snapped today of you in one of your um, most amazing Halloween costumes that you've ever made. Um, or if you do cosplay or go to Comic-Cons or things like that, a picture from the past, but you have to submit it today. DelawareLibrary.org slash GGF. That's for Great Geek Fest. And um, you can enter our cosplay contest, um, and that is uh, going to be a whole lot of fun. We are going to show off all of the people who have entered next Saturday during the Great Geek Fest live stream all day on YouTube, and um, you'll be able to see if you won. And we have great prizes for that as well. Now, Joyce is one of the, the judges for that, and she was looking at the costumes last night and was very impressed by what's already there, but mm -hmm. I'm sure... Like most things, uh, if it weren't for the last minute, nothing gets done. So we're assuming that we will get more, and we really want it, would love to see some more costumes uh, submitted on that. We're thinking that that'll happen today. We also threw in, um, just to make it fun, some staff pictures as well. And staff can't win, but I will say that last year, um, or, or two years ago, uh, three of us did a pretty mean uh, Hocus Pocus group um, of the, uh, oh my gosh, this... this not Stapleton. Sanderson. Sanderson. Sa thank sisters, you. Yes. I was like the Sanderson sisters. Yes. <laughs> so. I was Miss Winifred. Woody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so that's all happening um, like today and this coming week. Uh, this weekend at Ostrander is Scioto Fest mm -hmm. um, is the kickoff. So um, we have lots of different events happening with that. There's a driving tour again that you can download. There's a village scavenger hunt you can download. Um, and then there's an in-person walking tour. Um, the Genealogical Society has a really fun event coming up on the 5th. Um, it is all about the War of 1812, and so you can look on our calendar, DelawareLibrary.org slash event, um, to see what's happening um, on our on our calendar, but that's really the place to go. Story times are still happening. They're still outdoors for now, um, but do check our calendar because some of the locations will be moving over the month of October. And we have new story walks at all the libraries except Delaware right now, so they, they will kick off this week as well. So that's right. it's a it's a great time to be at the library. We are very busy, and we are looking Looking forward to seeing you 
uh, to join us for some or all of these events. And so. of course, you can buy your tickets now for our Central Ohio Mystery Authors Night on Monday, October 25th. Right. They're available through DelawareLibraryFriends.org. You can find them there. They're also available through Eventbrite. So mm-hmm. uh, please join us for that. And so I want to just thank you again, Connie, for being our guest today. Uh, hope thank you. you. A, hope, hope you have a great trip to the UK. Thank you. And I uh, hope you get back in time to be with us on, I do uh, on too. the 25th. So <laughs> I also want to say hi to Nicole Clotty, who's been in the studio, who's on our Friends of the Library Board, and uh, to thank her for everything she does for the Friends. Nicole, is always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Gage, we appreciate your work. And, Absolutely. And we will see you in the stacks.